Welcome to Textination. Joining us is Kevin Bork, Vice President of Research and Development for Medical Devices at Abbott. Thank you for joining us, Kevin. I'm pleased to join you. Thanks for the opportunity. And you've spent uh, many years working on technology to help keep people alive. Uh, give us a, a bit of an overview, if you can, uh, on what on the kinds of work that you've been doing, I guess, to, to try to keep the, the heart beating. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's um, the approach is um, actually more popular in the media where hearts are removed when you reach these advanced uh, um, levels of heart failure. But we take a different approach. We don't remove the heart, so we don't have something called a total artificial heart. We have a technology that's actually called a left ventricular assist device, which is a mouthful. We shorten that to LVAD. And our approach is to leave the sick heart in place and to uh, put the basically the inflow of our pump, it's a pump, uh, in the left ventricle and the outflow is attached to your, your aorta to have a, um, let's say, a, a weakened heart that continues to operate to the extent it can, but our medical device that's implanted that uh, takes up uh, all or part of the necessary circulation to make your other organs happy. So we we instantly uh, restore perfusion to patients who have been lacking it often for some number of years and have continued to decline in heart failure uh, with our device. And this is uh, used primarily to keep people alive who who aren't eligible for transplants or prior to receiving a transplant? Describe this for us. You know, um, in the early uh, uh, era of this, this actually was largely targeted to people who were candidates for cardiac transplant, which is a definitive therapy for folks. But as you know, the supply of organs for people who are on the transplant waiting list is is uh, far short of uh, of those who could benefit from from a transplant. So the device was actually imagined as something that could keep uh, these candidates alive while waiting for their their organs. We've long gone past that as the end goal. Uh, certainly, the the reliability of the newer devices is is so good that we envision. Uh, that this is actually a, a destination therapy of sorts or, or an ultimate uh, therapy for people who aren't candidates for cardiac transplant, uh, you know, for various reasons. And uh, certainly it um, has a measure of protection for those who would otherwise die on a, on a cardiac transplant wait list. Well, what are the advantages to this approach over a full mechanical heart? You know, in uh, so, so I, I will say the caveat. I think there are some uh, some conditions where uh, full replacement is necessary, but it's relatively rare. And when you remove the human heart, you often are taking out the the, the uh, pump that no longer works, the the mechanical function of the heart. But you're also removing a lot of the other systems that are in place that are working fine. There's some electrical systems, chemical systems, and so forth that. Uh, provide the homeostasis that the humans humans need to sort of close the loop on variables that keep um, that that protect you from uh, becoming too cold or too warm for uh, when you're exercising or resting your the the amount of perfusion you, you need changes and all of these systems you just cut out if you take the human heart out 
And uh, we think it's a better strategy to leave the systems that are working in place and just substitute the function that's not working, which is often just mechanical pumping. Uh, and as I, I mentioned, it's an LVAD, so we often uh, do the support on the left side of the heart, which is the systemic part of your circulation. Uh, the right side of your heart is responsible for, for your uh, pulmonary circulation, and that can be uh, a, um, an area of, of uh, de declining health as well, and uh, there are, there are mecha potential mechanical solutions for that. But we're, we're really going after the, the bulk of disease can be handled by just assisting the circulation on the left side. And, of course, you're working to continue the advancement here. So what are some of the things that might be on the horizon? Right now, uh, this, this system, the system, the LVAD system, is kind of a wearable thing, too, right? It's not all internal. That's right. That's true. Um, right now, maybe I'll mention a couple of things that are the, maybe the most exciting uh, technical advances on the horizon. Uh, one uh, refers to what you just mentioned. We have a an electrical drive line that exits your abdomen. Uh, it, of course, it starts at the pump, but it comes out to get some power, uh, some means of powering the, the system uh, that are external. You can either, when you're sleeping at night, for example, you, you probably want to be plugged into the wall. So we have a unit that allows you to do that. And when you're mobilized during the day, you can carry some batteries uh, on you. But even now that external equipment is, you know, it has some inconveniences to the patient. They always need to manage their batteries and so forth. And uh, we envision a fully implanted system where you could have an implanted battery, a battery inside, and a coil that's inside that actually could be activated and, and the battery could be recharged by a system on the outside so that you wouldn't need a driveline coming through the skin. You could have completely intact skin a fully implanted system and you would for some number of hours during the day have to wear external equipment to recharge your battery but for some meaningful period of time let's say four to six hours or something like that during the day you could be free from your equipment get completely free from your equipment and right now our patients you know always have this constant reminder that that they have heart failure because they have equipment that they carry around. And that's even, you know, if you're not hiding it under clothing or something, it's perceived by people on the outside. And we would love to really improve the patient's quality of life by eliminating that factor. Would you liken that to uh, the wireless charging for mobile phones and things like that today? It really is exactly like that. The technology is not much more elaborate than that, but I can tell you the challenge is to make that uh, a human system, an implantable system, are, are really, uh, there's a multitude of challenges. We, we um, uh, just to name a, a couple, the, the need to keep the temperature of these systems that have you know, efficiencies associated with them and their, their heat generating, to keep those temperatures low is super important where it may not be, it may be less important on a, um, on a commercial product. And, you know, uh, even the fact that these are sort of deliberate antennas, antennas in a world full of other equipment, we have to really work hard to make sure that they're compatible with other equipment uh, that you may be carrying around, like your cell phone, and that your cell phone in turn is compatible with our device and doesn't interfere with our device. So uh, these are among the challenges for making that system work, but they're technologically quite similar to many of the other uh, wireless charging systems that are uh, becoming available. And how do patients today deal with situations like power failures if they need to be plugged in at night, for instance? 
we're we're very one of the most important things we do is a risk management uh, system that really takes into account when one thing goes wrong, when another thing goes wrong, and the third thing goes wrong. So we actually have backup batteries in most uh, everything we have, and patients generally have about uh, 24 hours or so if in an extended power uh, power outage to uh, go find other power while their system continues to run without interruption. What led you to make this your life's work? Well, I'll say I was always interested in medicine, and uh, but certainly I think personality-wise was suited to become an engineer. And I've kind of managed in my – I spent my whole career in medical devices, and uh, it, it really is the perfect match. I love to interact with our clinician customers. It's my favorite thing to do, and it's a way of – sort of uh, scratching the itch of, of, uh, of a field I couldn't quite go into, but I came uh, mighty close to it uh, in engineering. So it's the best of both worlds. What's the, what's the biggest challenge you've faced today in, in making one of these devices that, like you said, would be fully implantable and, and not really visible and improve the quality of life? Well, we uh, there are technical challenges remaining. One the one of the aspects that we focus on for the uh, most is the hemocompatibility, which is a kind of a long word to explain explain the uh, the blood compatibility of our device because your blood courses through our device. We have to make sure that the shear stresses that we're exposing the blood to are low, that uh, there's sufficient washing so you don't have static blood that would clot. So avoiding clotting, stroke, uh, other uh, factors that uh, could adversely affect the patients is what we focus on the most. Uh, Then we turn to the patient's quality of life and uh, some of the systems that I just described to you. So as we go forward, I think those remain the biggest challenge for us. Uh, One sort of exciting uh, path that we're taking, we call it sort of our smart pump uh, research path. It's looking at the um, not just setting a pump at one speed and just operating forever at that speed, but having a pump that, that, responds to the physiologic demand of the patient. So for example, the pump might automatically turn down in speed while the patient's sleeping or might accelerate when the patient is exercising. Those sorts of things are not that easy to do, but uh, there are certainly things that we think are, as we move forward, uh, future pumps uh, ought to be able to do. So um, I think those challenges are uh, probably the, the biggest ones that we have is really meeting the, the demand of the patients and, and actually go, uh, when we think about a cardiac transplant being the definitive therapy, as I mentioned before, we actually would love to make pumps the definitive therapy because those are not in short supply. Those could be uh, made to however many were needed by society, and I think that's one of the biggest benefits that we could have on our horizon. Are things like 3D printing of, of great help to you? You know, we have actually uh, used in some interesting ways that type of technology in the past as well, uh, especially as uh, now advanced engineering materials can be uh, done in 3D printing. Right now, that's not a a production option for us. At least we haven't utilized it yet, but I wouldn't rule that sort of thing out in the future. Very interesting. And you were talking about heart rates and being able to adjust, and and more and more of us are are all aware of our heart rates thanks to the right. uh, smart watches that we're wearing. We're seeing what our heart yeah. rates are all the time. 
Exactly. I think a lot of that technology that goes into your smartwatch uh, could be integrated in some of our devices as well, and that is all under the same roof, uh, the same heading as that Smart Pump series that I mentioned. Terrific. Where can people go to learn more about the work that you're doing? Well, certainly at the Abbott website, uh, you can get uh, information on us. We're uh, in the heart failure uh, tab at, uh, at that website, and the HeartMate 3 is our flagship product right now. Uh, there are a lot of exciting results from a clinical trial uh, for that HeartMate 3 device that uh, you know, might be of interest to our, uh, to our listeners. Terrific, and it's, it's spelled heart, M-A-T-E-3. It's- it's actually HeartMate, one word, uh, and then the numeral three. Terrific. Kevin Bork, thank you so much for taking the time with us. It's a pleasure talking to you, Fred. Cooking with the power of the song. Hi, I'm Fred Fishkin, here to tell you about the latest innovation from my friend Patrick Sherwin and his great team at GoSun Stove. The GoSun Fusion has arrived using the company's tried-and-true reflectors and a solar vacuum tube to get you cooking without the mess of charcoal, heavy propane tanks, or smoke. A really bright idea. And with an optional solar panel and battery storage and the ability to plug in at home or on the road, you really can use the GoSun Fusion to cook anytime and anywhere, day or night, rain or shine. I love what Patrick and his team are doing, and so will you. Want to learn more? Head to gosun.co to check out all of the company's products and innovations and use the code TEXTANATION to save 10%. That's gosun.co.